Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. As usual, I, I'm really excited, but I'm definitely excited for this guest because if my guy here from Sharp Cuts, Garrett May, was here, I think we have a rival for possibly the best club team ever, but he's not here to defend himself, so I'll let this guy tell his version of the story. So today's guest is a four-time national championship uh, winner in club, four in a row, that's right. He's also a youth sports national champion. He's currently playing for Trinity Western. He's already representing Canada at U21 Worlds, and he's currently in Gatineau making time for us today before he goes to training with Volleyball Canada. Please Welcome to the show, Brody Hofer. Brody, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. I'm excited. So, Brody, in doing some research for the show, I'm sure a lot of uh, your BC fans know this, but for our other listeners across Canada and the world, hopefully, um, you grew up in a volleyball family. So, just hit us with that. What was it like having two like experienced parents as, as volleyball coaches? Like, what was it like in your household? Are you guys playing pepper in the backyard? Like, how soon did you start playing volleyball? Do you think? Um, well, it was a really, it was great. My parents, well, they were both in depth about the volleyball game and they were always really good at compartmentalizing like the sports they did and then the parents that they were. So I, I wouldn't say I'd have like coaches that were parents. I had really good parents and then I had also coaches as well around me all the time. Um, and yeah, we were, I was definitely playing pepper at a young age. Um, my dad and I had this fun game we would play, uh, where, we would just like, it was normal pepper, bump set spike, uh, and then we would hit it at each other and you'd score points if you hit it in the kind of their wheelhouse and scored and they didn't make the dig. So we did a lot of those games and actually funny, in fact, I've actually never beaten him at it. His like, his touch is just such a high level. It's tough to beat him. <laughs> Nice, nice. And, uh, and I'm curious, because they're volleyball people, obviously that would be like a game that you would be drawn to because they're, you see them coaching and you go to the gym with them. But was there any other sports that kind of drew you when you were younger? Yeah, I played high-level baseball for probably six years. And so that, at a younger age, I thought like, you know what, I'm going to try to play. I'll play the big leagues in baseball or whatever. But So I was definitely really into baseball for the bulk of my kind of early childhood. And then made the transition to volleyball kind of later on around like U12-ish when I was, yeah, kind of the age of 12, I switched to volleyball. And what was your, your first idea of club volleyball? Like, were you just playing with your friends and it was really exciting? Because I understand you didn't win a U14 national championship, but literally every other year you played, you're a national champion. So what was it the success that drew you to it? Was it just that you love volleyball over other sports? Or what was kind of the first glimpse of you playing like competitive club volleyball? I was kind of ready to move on from baseball. Like I hadn't played at a high enough level to kind of keep going and I was okay with kind of moving on. And then my dad came up to me one day and asked if I wanted to go play club in Surrey. And 
I didn't really know much about it or think too much about it. And I was like, absolutely. Like, yeah, I'd love to go play some baseball and end up being a close family friend of ours who was the head coach. Um, and that was a team with uh, like a bunch of local guys that I had played with. And it was kind of our first year having a really strong team. And it was U14 where we were all together. Um, and we ended up having a really strong team that year as well. And we, we were able to keep all, a lot of those guys together all the way through U18. Nice, nice. And then just before we dive into the club thing, I wanted to check one story about high school. Did you have an injury your senior year, but then find a way to come back and really help your, your squad push for a championship? Like, what was that like coming back injured, but then having a big influence on the finals? Yeah, so for the high school, uh, my final high school season, right in the beginning, I broke my toe. And I'll, I'll show this story. It's kind of a funny one that I like to laugh at. But uh, I was basically, I came home from school. My dog's at the front entryway, and I just started chasing him kind of through the house, and I stubbed my toes. So the injury was two broken toes. So it's really nothing impressive. It wasn't anything playing volleyball. It was just two stubbed toes that took me out for like 10 weeks or 11 weeks. And then, yeah, I was able to get back for the kind of the – I got back for our district finals. And so that was about – three weeks left of the season. So we played district finals, had a week of training and then kind of that provincial week. And I was able to get back to that, the finals as well. And we had like a, a great game and played well and ended up winning the provincial final and for high school that year. Wow. Nice. And then uh, for our non BC listeners, I think a few provinces do this, but in Ontario, we're kind of year round where in BC you would play your high school season and then club would start shortly after. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, so we would probably tryouts would happen like a week when school started right into it. And then we would play like into January and our club season would start after January. So a lot less time in the club room, but we're kind of playing volleyball year round. Nice, nice. So to switch back to club, you mentioned like a family friend is one of your first coaches. You're playing with guys that are, are, are good. So you're having success and you're getting better. But when that 15 year year comes was there expectations in the gym, if you can think back? Like, did you have a coach and a squad who wanted to talk about, like, winning nationals is the goal? Or was the goal really about development and learning skills and systems and things like that? Like, when you look back on your club career, like, the, the outcome is you won a bunch of national championships. But how was it kind of framed for you as a young athlete versus, like, the development versus the outcome of, like, win it all? Um, well, for one, the head coach we have, Dan Johnson, he was – just as committed as all the guys on the team. And sometimes that's a lot to ask for from a coach. And so he really set the standard of, uh, he had us journaling before practices. Um, we would, we did goal setting. Like we met at his house, like before every season and he'd have a barbecue for us. And he really just had us sit down and talk about the goals that we wanted. And everybody wanted to win a national championship and a provincial championship. So I remember us setting that as like the goal. And then the focus for practices going forward was how can we achieve that goal? And then everyone came into practices prepared to get better. And I think that's really what contributed to the success of that, that program is every guy on the team wanted to be successful. So we kept each other accountable in the gym and it was always a competitive environment. That's that's great to hear. So as a young guy, when you're asked to do a journal at the start, you're kind of like, oh, this is a little hokey. Like, what are we doing this for? Or did you really like dive into it and start charting like how you wanted your mindset to be? What are the things you're working on? Like it just helped you keep track of everything or like what did it feel as a 15 year old going through that process? Um, it was a little bit kind of like, oh, like, why do we got to do this? But 
Um, I mean, in the end, it helped us just be mindful coming into practices. And so I think as much as we were like, oh, I'd rather just start playing, um, it was it was nice to come into the practice with an intention of focusing on one skill because it's so easy to just show up to a practice and go through the motions. But at a young age, being enforced to kind of put a goal for that practice, like written down on paper, definitely helped kind of like my mindset going forward into the future. And are those habits you used either as like a Canada Games athlete or with Trinity or with the national team? Like, was there anything that kind of you built as a young athlete that you still use today? Um, at the beginning and end of about every season, I go through kind of a goal setting list. So whether that's like the start of a new Trinity Western season or kind of the start of the summer with the B team, which is the situation I'm in now, I'll sit down and set some goals out. But I don't do daily journaling pre-practice or in the mornings. It's more just like kind of long-term, my expectations on what I want to achieve and then how I'll achieve it. Nice, nice. And then with club, like you win in 15, you win in 16. Was there always a way to reset with the group and talk about like this is a brand new year, maybe a few new guys join, maybe a few guys don't come back? Like did it always feel like this fresh new thing or did you ever feel pressure to like keep the streak alive and that you wanted to win every single year and now you won two, we're going to win three, we're going to win four? Like how did you kind of battle through the the identity of like the streak versus every year is its own thing? Oh, that's that's a really good question. And I mean for our team to remain successful, we needed to gain a few pieces kind of each year. So like as the higher, as the level gets better, the older you get, um, we needed to kind of fill some holes. So from like U15 to U18, we, we gained a really important piece to that. Like if it's another guy like uh, Colton Lowen joined in 16, along with like Nate Teasdale and these guys were like great BC high school players. Um, but there was definitely some pressure to kind of keep the streak alive i would say i mean when my dad would hear us talking about that in the gym he would kind of like remind us that we can't do it all in one day we need to focus on you know getting one percent better today or continuing on and that was a definitely a good uh experienced coach to have in the in a like a young 16 u boys gym like that who are coming off a national championship and want to win again and he would constantly kind of challenge us to like okay how can we actually do this rather than just talk about it and try to complete everything we need to in a two hour time slot of practice. Nice. Nice. And once again, sir, I'm not really familiar with the BC circuit, but who would be some, some people you're playing against or some clubs that you would have battled? Cause I'm sure it wasn't easy to just get through your provincial circuit to then get to nationals and compete for at that level. But what was there anyone in BC that you kind of look forward to, to play in like the normal club tournaments like a, just a club or a certain player that you always fired up that it was going to be a battle and you enjoyed playing against them um definitely there was a hometown rivalry with uh fraser valley volleyball club and pretty much every year those were the guys who wanted to beat us and we knew like uh, like force we knew that they could and if we didn't play our best and so a couple guys on that roster would be like reed marriott who played who's done a couple years on college and is now playing on Trinity Western, actually. Um, and to be honest, not a lot of those guys went on to play uh, like any U sports leagues or anything, but that was the team that constantly challenged us in our hometown, like if it was just in a club tournament or I think we played them in every provincial final nice. from U14 to U18. And so like we 
we literally would like play them all the time and we just knew our team so well and it was just always great competition and was there anything at, at the national level whether it was like an alberta club manitoba uh ontario quebec whoever like was there any club that seemed to always pop up that like uh, a meaningful quarter semi or final you'd see the same club over and over again um i would say that the quarters and semis kind of varied quite a bit i mean canuck was always a, a great team that we had to play early um, that's actually the team that beat us in the U14 national final, but, uh, it was probably Pac-Man, the team that we faced the most. And it was usually in like the finals in the big games. So I'm like Matt Harris would be the coach for that. And, uh, we faced him a lot and they were always like a really good competition and good game against us. I'm trying to think, would that be like Cole Kucharski's group or Rogosi or who would have been on those squads? Do you know any of the Ontario guys? Yeah, so it kind of changed a little bit because, like, some guys played up, like Sander Kachuzinski. He's definitely a guy who uh, was a great in- influencer on that team, and he played up for a couple of years, and then we played him in the national final in the 18-new year. Uh, Cole Kachuzinski was on there. Uh, I think Navreet Suhan, uh, he, we played him a lot. And Andrew Tahees, that was a guy who, like, moved around from, like, it was the Wasps or the Titans. And then he finished on Pac-Man. We That was one of the players that we faced a lot who uh, we had to prepare for. Nice. Good memory. Yeah, Andrew did bounce around a little bit, but he was always kind of the guy with whatever team he was on. Nice memory there. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Well, it's hard to forget him. He's a great player. <laughs> for sure. He's for a sure. great player. Um, so uh, I'm curious with your dad's connection that he's a coach at Trinity. Uh, your mom previously was a coach at Trinity. Like, with recruiting, did you feel like this is where my, my family goes and I'm going to follow in their steps? Or did you kind of get some some approaches from other coaches and consider other schools? Like, did you know since you were, you know, a 12-year-old playing volleyball, Trinity was the goal? Or did you really consider some other schools before making your choice? Well, I mean, basically since I was alive, my parents have been coaching at Trinity. So every weekend uh, I was there watching the games. And so from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to be a part of the Trinity Western program. Um, and it was more just because I got to watch like some of the legends play, like Rudy Verhoof, Ben Ball, Josh Howitson, Dornan Ball, uh, like that kind of like old era of the team. So I just wanted to be like those guys so bad. Um, and then come around to like my grade 11 year of high school. Uh, that's kind of the first time I experienced any recruiting. And so I got an email from uh, Terry Daniluk with University of Alberta. And that was kind of the first time a coach had ever reached out to me. So for like once I got that email, I was just stoked because I mean, as a club player, like that's all like you really like. That's one of the big things you think about is like, where can I go play university? And then when a big school like that comes and reaches out, you get excited. Uh, but a week later, Ben Joe, I guess he had heard that U of A had reached out to me. So he asked to go for coffee and he basically laid out like what, like he wants me on his team and laid out kind of what he sees my path being on the team. And I, uh, so basically that, that whole week up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to consider U of A. We had talked about a recruiting visit and all that. And so after our meeting with Ben Joe, I was, I left and I just felt so fired up about it. It was like, this is the exact like type of path I want to take. And I like been watching Trinity forever. So, and I told Ben Joe in our meeting, actually, I was like, you know, I'm thinking about U of A and 
if you ask him, he uh, that was quite a shock for him, and I don't think he loved hearing that. But I ended up committing the day after I met with Ben Joe to Trinity, so it didn't really last too long. That feeling of wanting to go elsewhere, but um, there was no doubt in my mind after that meeting with Ben that uh, Trinity was the place I wanted to go to. I'm always impressed with U Sports with with some that really get it, and we had Nathan Gruenveld on the show, and he went with uh, Dave Preston and Mac. Like the recruiting thing, just wasn't going to be about like here's your jersey number, here's your playing time. Like he actually had a plan laid out about here's how you can fit in with our team, here's how we'll get you ready for the national team and pro and things like that. So uh, I'm curious with you if it's not too personal to share what happened in your meeting. Like when Benjo laid out the plan for you, like was it more than that? Was it more than oh you're going to be so valuable for us? You're going to start in your first year. You're going to do these things. Like was there a plan in place that you knew? when you graduate from trinity like you're going to be pro ready and there's going to be a lot of things in place yeah definitely and i think this is one of the the recruiting strengths of ben joe is how he is really good at kind of one predicting what kind of like path you'll have but also he's just very honest about what kind of path you'll have whether you're coming in as a culture guy who won't ever see the floor or you're a guy that he sees playing in his early years and so yeah, I'd love to share a little bit about that meeting. Kind of when the path that he kind of saw for me was every year he wants to um, recruit like a, a high level outside. And he had told me like he had saw me as that outside for, for my recruiting class. And then following that, we uh, he had said like, you're likely not going to play in your first two years. Uh, you're probably going to, we are expected to see some time in your third year. And he had said like, you'll be able to get in on like there, there'll be opportunities for you to play in your first and second year. But the third year is really where we expect our outsides to come in and uh, they will have like more opportunities to play in, which totally makes sense because the, the players he had recruited before me were like Eric Lepke, uh, Blake Shearhorn, Jesse Elser, Ben Lewin. Like these are guys who are like really good volleyball players and outsides in the same position. And so after like I, when he told me that, I, it didn't really bother me at all because I was really long-term focused and I knew coming in that there was a high chance I probably wasn't going to play a lot in my first and second year. And when you get to Trinity, like I'm curious what your first impressions are. Like, uh, just one thing that came to mind when you're talking about you're a young guy in the crowd, like watching your parents. Like, I think the crowd at Trinity is so special. Like, did you kind of get spoiled a little bit way, like thinking that like that's what a U Sports crowd is? And then maybe your first road trip, you go to someone else's gym and there's 24 people in the crowd and it's not that noisy and rowdy. Like, like what were some little things that like as a kid you saw in Trinity that like you once you were a U Sports athlete, like you realized like it's special to play here and be a part of that program. Um, I think, well, for one, the fans are awesome. Like, there's no doubt about it. But the thing that stood out most to me was how it was so evidently clear how much the guys on the Trinity like court just like had like a, like a love for each other and looked like they were best friends. Like the on court guys were like looking at the guys on the bench, and there was like there was friendships there that were really strong. And then the guys on the court just had a bond that seemed unbreakable and. That seemed really appealing to me because with my like high school teams, I had uh, really strong relationships with my guys on my team as well. And so that was something that I really wanted to have when I got to Trinity. And do you feel like that's, that's 
Benjo leading that or is it so ingrained in the culture like the vets lead that like I'm curious like the you're, you mentioned all those names before like Ben Ball and Verhoof and all these guys but and, and Shearhorn but it feels it's later like it just feels like it cycles through that uh, Benjo probably sets the scene for it but what were some of like the the seniors doing on the squad to make you feel comfortable as a first year um I yeah I definitely think that Benjo sets like what the expectations are in standard and I think like or he has definitely now got a pretty good idea on what it takes to get to the like high performing levels for a team. Um, but you really do need a lot of buy-in from the old guys on the team because I mean, Benjo can kind of push the culture in a direction that he sees is could benefit us the most, but in the end it kind of depends on uh, like the older guys. So when I got into my first year, um, it was guys like uh, Aaron Betcher, Derek Epp, Kern, uh, like Jacob Colonel, uh, Eric Lepke, like Ben Carter Bergen, especially uh, those old guys. Just um, they, what they really did was made me. I was actually coming in as a rookie on my own, which I was a little bit nervous about, which I knew would be a challenge. Uh, but they really did a good job of bringing me into the team and making me feel like I had a place, um, and I didn't have to be someone that I like wasn't. And so that was really freeing once I learned that coming in. Uh, and so. Yes, Ben Joe definitely drives the culture, but you need the the old guys on the team to kind of like solidify that and then bring in the young guys and teach them up so that, you know, it's a it's a recycling culture, I guess I could say. It's like once the old guys leave, hopefully they've influenced the younger guys to take over for them once it's their time. Friend of the show, Jeff Miller, started an amazing golf brand called Club Jason. Designed with quality in mind, Jason sets no limits on comfort, feel, and appeal. They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com, to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club! And I'm trying to find my timeline. I might be a little bit off here, but uh, you coming in with expectations that you're going to be like a big part of the program in your third year. And it's special to play at Trinity as a first or second year. But I think your first year was when Jesse Elster, I think, had some injury trouble. I'm a big fan of his game, but you as a first year were kind of looked upon to not only like fill that hole, but also contribute and be a big part of it. Right. So was that a conversation with the coaching staff about like what the, the change of plan was going to be? Or did you just feel ready to step in right away when that opportunity came? Yeah, so that the timing is right. That was kind of uh, Jesse's big surgery year, and so he was totally out for that season. Uh, but there was another outside that I was competing against. That was Ben Lewin. Uh, he was a fifth year, and so he he had been around the program for a long time, and he's super talented outside. Um, and so I was never the original starter. I just uh, I was told to to be ready, and I just like kind of. I was able to just kind of focus on getting better at practices. I didn't have to, you know, uh, structure my practices so that I felt really fresh for the weekends, which was super freeing. 
And so it was kind of Ben Lewin who was the starter. And then kind of later into the season, I started getting some more looks um, and kind of deciding on the game. Like Ben Lewin is a sweet passer, defender guy. Like he's great for like, he's the perfect P2, especially for the system that we had. And so depending on the style of game we had, like if we knew it was going to be like a high ball type game where guys are just serving bombs, I would kind of get into play there. Um, and like, I think it's about two to three weeks before we left for nationals, Ben Lewin like totally destroyed his ankle at practice. And so that's when I knew that I was the next left side. And so uh, like for sure. And so I was just like, I had had so many good opportunities uh, in different, smaller, less important games to get in and play uh, where I could finally now step into the role and prepare for nationals. And how did you feel like your relationship was with Ben? Like he's a senior guy, like he's probably supporting you. But uh, w- one thing I've learned about the Trinity thing with like JVD, like he felt like he was going at Van Burkle every day in practice. And Benjo was like orchestrating that because they were, you know, the second and third middle and they were going to fight it out for the spot. So uh, I'm curious when you're going through practice, like you mentioned, you didn't feel like you needed to be like fully charged up for the weekend because you could go for it and practice like were you the one counting drill wins or going forward or were the coaches kind of stacking you against each other? Like, was there any noticeable competitive stuff going on or you felt like, like the whole gym was competitive and you could just focus on getting better and being a part of that environment? I would say the, the other. So uh, like I could just come into the gym and focus on getting better. I didn't, I mean, this looking back is now actually quite a blessing coming in on my own. Cause I didn't have anyone my age to compare myself to like, I could see that being a challenge as a rookie when you've got a couple other outsides in your class and you see them being successful while you're trying to be successful as well. So, and that was kind of the plan that Benjo had said, like right now is a great opportunity for you to just go really hard in the weight room, uh, for you to work really hard in practice. And that's kind of what I did is I just would show up to practice and I was like a pretty competitive guy. And so I, I was definitely like competing for like trying to get wins in the drills and stuff but mostly just uh, really trying to apply the, the different techniques and like learnings that Ben Joe and Ben Ball and Adam Schreimer and kind of those coaches had kind of brought up to me because man, when you get to the university level, there is so much more technical game that is just like, it just kind of blows you away, to be honest. And I think uh, Ontario fans, we were lucky the one year that the Can-Am was hosted here because you guys got to come here and play against some top NCAA teams and obviously some some other great U sports teams were there battling it out with the Canada versus US model. But one thing that I thought was cool was during one of the breaks, uh, it just happened when the other team was warming up and I don't need to watch a team pepper and dynamic for 45 minutes. So I snuck to the other side of the gym where you guys were actually just having a serve and pass session and getting ready. But one thing I found fascinating about your team is literally everybody was warming up like there was like cut the court in half and there was two on two games going on but like the coaches were playing everybody was playing but then uh benjo wasn't there so i think ben ball or maybe schreimer was in charge that time when the 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 switch flipped and practice started the mood totally changed and everybody was just able to buy in and like it turned serious and i was wondering how do you feel as an athlete walking the line in that environment where like you said you're, you're friends with everybody there's a certain joy around practice but then when it's time to get your work done and compete like guys are able to turn it on like that like was that maybe just my i'm misreading the situation or is that what like every practice is like for you guys that's pretty much how every practice goes which like now is is something that i have just gotten so used to and like absolutely love i think that's it has a lot to do with ben joe because he allows like the first 
15 minutes to 30 minutes kind of depends on the day of practice uh, for us to just like, it's all, we're almost kind of like fooling around, goofing around while we're like warming up. So after we do our dynamic and activation and everything, we'll play 2v2 and uh, like that's just a good time for us to like remind ourselves how much fun this game is. And like this year, uh, or like a lot of our practices, a lot of guys will just throw the football around in practice. So uh, like, and we're like pretending to be like Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf or whatever, just running boots. Um, so like there's a lot of like fun and joy in the first kind of quarter of practice and then for the last hour and a half or two hours um we all know what our job is at practice and what's expected and so after we've kind of had our moment of fun and just like super enjoyment we kind of lock in a little bit more and have a bit more focus but one of the things that we found with our team is just we need to play with a little bit of goofiness for us to be at our best and not too much to where like we're not taking it seriously but to the point where all of us are like really dialed in on the skills that we're focusing on or the drill that we're trying to win. But we're still kind of like having some playful chirps with the guys beside us or after a point, like a guy might say a joke or whatever. And so it can be a line sometimes that we fall off of, but I think that's what the standard is from day one. And so all the old guys have been doing this for four or five years. And so it's just something that you get so used to when you come to practices. Yeah, I'm curious how long that took you to get used to because uh, I think that's such an old school versus new school thing where old school coaches are like, you need to be serious, like no joking, like you can't be silly or be loose like that. Where when we had Pierce on the show, he mentioned just that, like if the spectrum is like super serious, no smiling, no laughing, and the other end of the spectrum is like silly and goofball, he's like, we're probably neutral, but then a little bit on the side of like joyful, right? So when you walk into that environment, have you ever seen it like abused or does it take a certain amount of... um, just maturity to know that like, yeah, you make a big block or, or you make a big play that you're allowed to smile and celebrate and have joy, but then you got to go win like the next ball. Right. So as a young guy, I could see like if a, if a club coach is listening right now and tries to do this model with a 14 U team, maybe it gets abused and it's a little too silly, but where would you find like the line is or how long does it take to get used to that environment when it's like performing, but still fun like that? Oh, that's a good question. And I think it's, it's something that needs to be practiced. Uh, to an extent so I also think that you got to cater it to kind of the team that you have so if you have a team that's goofy all the time and needs like it's just is is constantly messing around then there needs to be some discipline or some enforcement put down but if you've got a team that's just too serious and they just like they're pissed off all the time or they're not enjoying what they're doing then there needs to be a little bit more joy put into it Um, and coming in as a first year It is actually a little bit weird coming in because you're coming into a program that's like really well known and really successful and you have no idea what the training environment is like until like your recruiting visit or your first practice of the year. Um, But you have a group of guys that just love each other so much but are also like so focused on their success in volleyball and so you kind of adapt and you, it's kind of like uh what's the phrase that I'm looking for? I guess I'm looking for something where like you kind of adapt to the situations that you're in or you don't make it. And so like 99% of the time you're going to adapt to what you're in and that just becomes like the, the norm and what you're used to. Awesome. Does that kind of answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And uh, just on the topic again of Can-Am, I I thought it was interesting that uh, when I spoke to some NCAA players and coaches, 
like they they were excited to come play and obviously they knew who alberta was and mac and ryerson they were excited for that but they, they also heard about like the hype of trinity and how special some of you guys are and they really wanted to battle so was that something on your radar or were you guys coming in treating this like it's a holiday tournament it's a nice break not to play canada west teams like we're going to enjoy it or were you guys fired up to be across the net from like lewis and ucla and all the other teams you played um can i say both nice. i guess like we we were it's like a, or it's kind of our our time off like it's a really fun trip that we get to go on so going out there to enjoy it was a goal of it and then on the other hand it's this is like a, a showcase of North America's like best volleyball. And we wanted to go in there and because honestly, we get those questions all the time about like, Oh, how does the States compare to you guys? Like, are you at that level? Um, and so we wanted to go in there and uh, show them that like we are on the same level and that we can compete with those, U- those U S colleges that are just always dominant at uh, the sports compared to Canada. Nice, nice. And then one thing I enjoy just talking to Canada West guys as an Ontario guy is just the strength of schedule. And I'm curious, like going through your first year and then obviously your second year before COVID interrupted, there would have been chances for this. But how did you find the big difference from going from club where you're, you're going to play four or five matches in a day and it's always a new team and kind of the strategy in club is to be the best you can so you can beat other teams where now you're in the system where you got to beat somebody Friday and then you got to beat them again on Saturday and they've got video on you, they've got stats, they've adjusted their plan. Like, did, did it really feel like a jump going from club and high school to university knowing that like now coaches are, are reviewing the game and uh, kind of tweaking their plan and getting ready to do it all again the next day? It was a huge, it was, it was a huge jump, honestly. Come, coming out of high school, I thought I was going to struggle with the school the most and volleyball would kind of be the easiest thing because, uh, or easier than school because, I mean, school is not something that I'm particularly fond of, but volleyball has always been something that I love to just fully commit to. But it was actually the, that it was actually the opposite when I got there. Uh, there was an enormous, increase in time commitment it went from like two out practices three times a week to two hour practices uh every day with reps in the morning and lift and video um and so that was that was a huge wake-up call i guess you could say um and then also just the level of um detail that is at the university level especially with benjo when we're preparing for a team on how in depth we go with them um, was an increase. I mean, before in my club, our coach would have like, okay, these are the three goals of today. Um, and that's all that, or three goals that we have to do to beat this team, or it's this one player we got to stop. Uh, but at the next level, it goes into more detail than, than what I was used to for sure. And I'm curious with that level of detail, how have you found the balance of having that on court, but still playing like the physical game. And I think the, the training example I would give with uh, Jacob mentioned, like your blocking scheme is you need to know the primary and you're going to block with like the hard driven ball and things like that. So when you're matched up with a guy, like is it your job to always remember that he hits to, I don't know, the five, six seam a lot. So you need to press and be early and do all those things. Or like when you get caught up in a game, how are you recalling all this information? Because uh, I totally agree with you. Benjo and the coaching staff there are awesome and they probably find all these amazing little details but when you're fatigued worried about siding out doing other things and then it's like your blocking zone how do you recall this information and apply it um i think it begins with the preparation because i mean if you don't have like our game sheet because we'll get a game sheet before the game and when i've played games where i don't know it well and i i am like 
I'm not able to kind of play super free because uh, like our blocking scheme, I don't know it too well. And then when there's other games where I know it really well, that's when I can actually like play free. And it, I don't need to think twice about uh, what's the block alignment on the right side that I'm blocking right now. And so it, I, it really just comes down to memorizing and knowing the game sheet as well as you possibly can so that you can actually go out there and like play free. Because I don't think we can, especially with I, or with our kind of design of our, our system, we can't go in there and have one or the other. We prepare so that we can do both really well. Nice. Yeah, that's a great answer. Thank you for that one. And when you're watching video, I'm always curious with young athletes, like how do you find a way to review your own stuff and not be like judgmental where you're still, you know, critiquing and looking with like sophisticated eyes that you need to get better at things, but you're not judging because I find young athletes, as soon as they get video, it's like, oh, do I look like that? Oh, that was a bonehead mistake. Oh, I shouldn't have done that versus let's have a growth mindset here. Yeah, there's some gaps we need to improve, but it's not as bad as it looks sometimes on tape, right? Yeah, for sure. Or sometimes it can be worse than it is on tape, um, on the other hand as well. True. But I, full disclosure, this is probably something that uh, I'm still getting better at. Um, and one of the things that Ben Joe and I have worked on this year, and uh, it's in the book Inner Game of Tennis, if you want to read about it some more or if you have already or to the listeners, it's a great book. Um, and it basically says, like, there are emotions and then there's, there's, there's facts and there's what it is. And when we do an action, say like it's a spike, and say I spike it out of bounds cross court, my initial reaction might be, oh, that was such a bad hit. But what we, Ben Joe and I were working on this year is trying to remove the emotional reaction from it, from the action. And so instead of saying that action, the hit was like bad, it's more like, it's more approaching it with the mindset of like, okay, I, what made that hit go out of bounds? Not like, why was that hit so bad? So less less of the, like, oh, that hit was so good, that hit was so bad, and more of the, like, what made that hit, like, a good hit or a hit that was in, or what made that hit go out. And so really coming in with the headspace of, like, this, um, this uh, like, the actions that I'm doing or the, the volleyball that I'm performing is, is not like uh, there's good or bad, there's just there is. And so when I was, when I'm able to do that is when I can have the most productive time looking at video and not getting worked up about the, a dumb hitting error that I made in practice or something like that. Oh, that's, that's so amazing. Yeah. I'm almost through that book. And for anyone listening to me like, Oh, it's a tennis book. It's not a tennis book. And I first picked it up yeah. with uh Pete Carroll's big into it. Uh, Steve Kerr's big into it. I'm glad you're reading it as well because you're right. It's tennis is like the background and that's his expertise, but you could apply what he's talking about in that book to really anything. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. It goes beyond just sports as well. And just while we're on the topic there, like every Trinity guy we've had on the show has a different kind of impression of what makes the culture special. And I think that's a credit to the coaching staff and Benjo about really talking to the individual and not just the team. And the reason I bring that up is like Eric Lepke told us a fascinating story that he really relates to like the 20 mile March where Schreimer was more in tune with being like dependable and accountable. And Pierce really liked like the joy thing about like, I'm going to take this really seriously right now, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just volleyball and he's able to like switch off and switch on and, and really be intense with it. So uh, I'm curious with you with getting a copy of that book from your coach and anything else, like is there any mantras or cultures or stories that you really in tune with? Cause it doesn't sound like Trinity has one way to do something. There's all these stories being told, 
and tradition being passed on that you can really attach to little things that it's not one way and this is going to be our motto and we put it on our warm-up shirt and that's the way it's like guys can really anchor to different things it sounds like yeah and that's that's i think another one of the strengths about our program is there's not one way to do something correctly we know that someone may be doing it differently and we could be doing it better um and a lot like the one that Pierce talks about is uh, rock and roll versus the most important thing in your life. Like I, I really like that mantra. And I also, the 20 mile March has been one, especially for this season, because I mean, it's COVID like we didn't have any carrot dangling at the end of the road for us. It was just come in and train every single day. So the 20 mile March was a big mantra. Um, and the one that I hear like Ben Joe say the most often, and he says, uh, kind of before every games, just before we go out there, is um, do your job, make each other better. Uh, and I think, like when we break that down, do your job. Um, it's really looking at like, well, for one, like we have already kind of talked about, is preparing like so that you know the game sheet really well. Um, and then doing your job is can also entail uh, making sure you show up to practice ready to work. Uh, you're doing what you can off the court to make sure that you're ready for the games on the weekend or you can come into practice and make your guys better as well, which is kind of the second half is be, make each other better, like be a really good teammate all the time. Uh, and we believe like as a program, these two things are the things that will like lead to the most success. When everyone is doing their job and you're making your teammates better, like, wow, when you can put those two together, you can have some pretty sweet success. Yeah, this is this is awesome, man. Thanks for sharing all that you have so far. And uh, I'm just curious, do you know the who gets credit for that quote? I think Pierce and I thought it was Bon Jovi, but I Googled and I couldn't confirm. Do you know the actual full quote and who deserves credit for it? Um, the like the rock and roll one. Yeah, yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, okay, thank you. That's the that story up. because he would go on like he would. I don't know the number. I think it was like 150 shows a year, and they're like, how how could you do that day in and day out? And he's like. Man, it's it's just rock and roll. But then he's like, but it's the most important thing I do every day. So, yeah, that's the story. Nice. Yeah, thank you. And, and to pull on your 20-mile mark uh, talk with COVID, I think that's fascinating because I've heard other athletes describe this, and I think I relate with it too. Like, Brett Favre said – you didn't have to pay him on game day. Like he would volunteer to play the game of football, but you were paying him because of practices and spring training and all that other, the weightlifting, all that other stuff. So this year, especially like we're, we're not a COVID show and I've kind of tiptoed around it, but we are trying to be, you know, entertaining and educational and all that stuff to help support people when we're kind of down like this. But with you guys going through it with no competition, nothing to really look forward to, nobody to battle with across the net. Like how's your mindset been? Like you're, you're anchoring to this 20 mile March, but like, do practices ever feel the same or you've laid out enough goals that you know they like you're in a training block and you're going to get really good at this? Like, has it been mentally exhausting and feel like Groundhog Day where it's just the same thing over and over again? Or do you still get fired up for, I don't know, like the 35th practice of the year? Um, man, oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Uh, well, one of my goals this year, I really wanted to make the national D team. And so, I mean, I, I'm here now. And so I was really grateful and I was super excited to complete a goal and so i had that kind of driving me every day like i was like okay that's what i want to do and then i like try to remind myself like okay i got to be recovering well and doing everything i can but and so for the first semester it was honestly pretty easy to just show up and grind every day um uh, and then in the second semester is kind of when it hit me as like oh man like 
it's another semester of just training and our the restrictions have been put on us even kind of harder so we could only play back row threes and so like we're no blockers we're just pounding balls at each other um but um so i had the kind of the goal of getting ready for national b team um and so that really helped and then honestly like this is one of the closest group of guys I've ever played with on a team. And so showing up to practices was like, it was the highlight of my day most days because, uh, I mean, everybody knows like COVID's been shutting stuff down. Like it's harder to go out for dinners or to go out and see people because we're supposed to be like keeping our, our bubbles small. And so going to practice and seeing my best friends every single day was like the motivation I needed to like, was one of the like help, helpful like motivating factors I needed to get me to throughout the practice because they were just so much fun all the time and like there was definitely days that were tougher but I would say like for the vast majority of those practices like showing up was the highlight of every single day. Amazing, yeah. And I, I was wondering if you could just share your mindset or your routine because we had Garrett May on the show who's like a was a top level beach player and he talked about like. His coach, Marquise, really got him in with, like, what are you doing the 30 or 20 minutes before practice to be ready for practice? Like, are you in the right mindset? Are you, you know, peppering to be the best in the world? Are you fired up? And then I, I was reminded of that story when I was talking to Mike Hawkins, the UBC coach. He was in Gatineau just before you guys helping uh, prep with the A-team. And he mentioned he walked into the gym at 4 o'clock for a 4.30 practice. And he honestly thought he was late because the guys were there all before him. Some of them had already sweat through their first T-shirt. They were in a full pepper. They already done dynamic and everything that like it, it felt like the senior A guys are showing up maybe 45 minutes to an hour before and they're ready to go that like a 430 practice isn't warm up. 430 practice is like it starts. So I'm curious with you being a national team guy and playing at Trinity, like what's your routine? Like if practice starts at, at four o'clock for you guys, like what are you doing before then? How soon are you activating? How soon are you in that mindset to be like reaching towards your, your big goals that you have? Um, that's yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would say for this season, we only had gym time from two thirty to four thirty, So we could, I think be there at like two fifteen was the earliest you could be. And so we would, uh, my roommates and I, we would show up kind of around then. Uh, and we had probably 20 minutes before practice actually started. Uh, and so I would use those 20 minutes, uh, like first, like showing up and just kind of chatting with the guys a little bit while we're all kind of stretching out. I'd like Theragun my, my legs a little bit to get ready. Um, and a big part of getting ready for practice too would have like a lift in the morning because I found that really helped me get activated for practice. Um, but then I get there and I go through my mobility routine. Uh, a lot like 90% of the practices I'd be throwing a football because it was fun and uh, I just felt like it actually warmed up my shoulder super well so I would do I would go through that routine of warming up my body and then uh, I I would get into twos and the goal for every warm-up was to make sure that I could go into like whatever drill we were doing and swing right away and so uh, it would be a successful warm-up if I could uh, show up to practice and after those 20 minutes that we have to get ready, uh, I'm ready to go into like an all out sixes game. And then the practice where I wasn't, I needed like a few more jumps before I was ready. So that's kind of what this season looked like in terms of my preparation. Nice, nice. And then looking ahead to Gatineau, like if there's less restrictions or because there's a national team exemption, like I, again, let's say practice starts at two o'clock, would you keep that routine or would you try to do something different if you had like the 
the allowance of more time and more time in the facility, I guess? Um, I would I would probably come in, if we had an allowance of more time, I would come in probably 10 minutes earlier. Like, I don't love a super heavy warm-up, but I do like to make sure, like, I'm, I'm fully warm before I get into it. Uh, and so I'd show up probably 10 minutes earlier, have a little bit more time to go through some mobility stuff. Uh, I'd go into, like, probably the gym and go through some activation exercises just to like take a few extra minutes. Um, and the big one too, which we didn't get a lot of this year would be the post practice recovery. And so we basically every practice we finished right up to our time slot and then we have five minutes to get our stuff and get out. So that's something that I will make will be more, more of a habit this year or more frequent is after I'm done practice. I'll take like 20, 30 minutes or so to like, you know, stretch out my body, do some mobility stuff post-practice. Nice, nice. And I, and I know this year was a little bit different with the national team that it was like an online, like you applied to be evaluated and that was kind of the tryout. But to rewind to your first one when you were a U21 guy, do you remember the mood of going to the the facility and like they have the court set up? There's dozens of coaches walking around with clipboards everything's being filmed like what was the mood for you being a young guy going to a national team trial was there a little bit of nerves or was there comfort that you're looking around being like oh i know that guy from club i know that guy from can west like just hit me with what it was like walking through the door and getting ready for that first time you could try out for team canada um well i tried out i had to finish my grade 12 school a little bit earlier to make that team so I, I didn't get to be there for my grade 12 grad, so I had to leave a bit earlier. Uh, and when I got there, I, to be honest, I really didn't fully comprehend what I was getting into and what it meant to be a part of that team. And so when I got there, I was just like, I was just some kid who loved to play volleyball. And I, I, I did like some journaling when I got there because I just wanted to go out there and kind of play my game. And I remember one of the things I wanted to write out there was uh, just kind of go out there and play live free kind of and play free as well. And just so when I'm there, just to kind of like have some fun while I'm doing it. And, and I, it was great because it was my favorite part of volleyball, which is just to compete against high level players. And then I, I had like, I, it allowed me to go into that practice or those tryouts and just play my best ball because I didn't put too much pressure on myself to make this team. Um, I did later on following that season, but when I got there, I was just like, man, I'm just going to go enjoy this. Like I, I might never play this again. Like I, who knows if I get another opportunity for this. Was that something you struggled with? Like to give up your grade 12 grad for a tryout? Like I'm sure some of us are just not in our head being like, oh, I do that 10 out of 10 times. But with your process, like missing out on friends that you've grown up with and little things, like did you struggle with that decision at all? Or because you're a high performing athlete, like you realize that sometimes you're going to have to miss grads, birthday parties, things like that, that you're, you're special and your time has to go into other areas sometimes? Well, Honestly, one of the things my dad always reminded me growing up was that if I wanted to be a high-level volleyball player, I needed to be willing to make some sacrifices. So going to that tryout and committing to that team was a sacrifice I was more than willing to make. Um, but it was tough not to be there for sure because, I mean, the friends that I had and or that I made at my high school are friends that I'll have for a lifetime. So it was tough not being there for like our special grad or whatever, but um, it was something I knew I needed to do if I wanted to kind of continue my uh, success growth or if I wanted to keep getting better. So it was, although it was a decision that was tough to kind of 
deal with. It was something I was more than willing to to make because I I knew what my goals were. So if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Thank you for that one. And I'm again going through this process with the national team and hearing how you've laid out your process and you usually have a plan and you you like to journal and kind of visualize things you're going to do. When you get to a world championship and you're representing Canada, like you get the jersey, your name's on the back, like. Did that feel different or because, like I said, you have this process laid out and you're so sure of yourself, is that just the natural next step? Like, I'm wondering how do you handle the next step on the ladder because it feels like you're always ready for the next thing. Like, you win a national championship. Well, I want to win another one. I want to win another one. I, I get recruited to Trinity. Well, now I want to start at Trinity. Now I want to win another national championship. Like, it, it seems as a high-level athlete, we're never going to be done, right? So the, every time you go up, does it just feel like you're going to repeat the, the things that you value in your preparation or does it ever feel different at a certain point? Um, I would say I, I work, I try really hard to make sure that my process doesn't change. And I, I think I've done a pretty good job at making sure that my, my mindset on how I want to achieve things stays the same, but it does get harder. I think the higher level you go, or maybe not the higher level, but like the newer levels that you get to. So like when I got to world championships, like, it's like, holy cow, like, this is the greatest honor and like highest level of volleyball I could be playing at at this age. Um, and so on, like, wow, like this is, this is so much more. I need to prepare more, but like after kind of it sinking in a bit, like knowing I got to the, I was going to worlds or I made that junior team roster for that summer. Then I kind of like get reminded to go back and I, I, I like to have conversations with my dad, uh, Ryan Hofer. Uh, and he, uh, really helps me kind of remind myself like or he he reminds me just remember that like what you do does not define who you are so my volleyball is something that I do it's not who I am and so when I'm reminded of that then it's really easy to come back and go through my process of preparation for entering new levels or higher levels of volleyball than I have been to yeah that's that's so cool so as you get prepared for this summer like are you looking forward just to that lifestyle again of like being you're, you're essentially a professional athlete when I think we were with VC for the summer, right? Cause you're going to be training full time. Like there's a lot going on. Like you see the bigger picture cause you're around the other best players in Canada. Like, is that something that's really appealing to you to kind of get out of like, like the school world a little bit and kind of feel like a professional athlete for the next few months? Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is my kind of favorite mode to be in when volleyball is, is kind of the, is the priority and so i don't have to worry about uh making like going to classes or showing up to classes or preparing for a big final that i have on like the thursday before we play a team on the friday so i i really do love to come in and just feel like a pro athlete for four months it's it's like a great like kind of it, it's great practice one for when like i want to go play professionally overseas after i graduate and so this is kind of like my flow. Like I get to just focus on getting good at volleyball or I can get maybe new hobbies or something for this summer. Well, man, this has been awesome. I feel like we haven't touched a lot of your career, but you did share a lot with us today. I'm just looking at the clock and, and I know you're a busy guy. You're already in Gatineau getting ready for things. But uh, one thing we're trying to make a tradition on the show is just uh, we've heard you're, you're a high level athlete. You've definitely got a great process in place and I'm glad you shared it. But man, something funny or odd must have happened along the way where volleyball is giving you a good laugh. So I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go. Yeah, for sure. I'll, uh, I'll share the story um, when I'm in my second year. Uh, uh, so in my second year, I dislocated my thumb and fractured it. 
And, but how I did that is kind of uh, kind of funny turn of events. So basically, we're playing like some block defense drill, um, and I'm I'm blocking on the right side. Eric's lined up on the left, and I think I don't know. Eric got set the ball, so I go for the block. And I mean, everyone knows how hard Eric can hit, and he just put it right off of my left thumb, and I come down immediately, grabbing my hand, and I'm just yelling. It's out, it's out, it's out. And I'm kind of like, I'm freaking out. I'm running to the end line, holding my thumb, haven't looked at it yet. And as I go to look at it, I see in my peripheral Benjo run the opposite way because he's like, he, he's, he doesn't love to see the injuries. Uh, so he just took off running. And so I'm like, okay, my coach isn't here to help me. So I just kind of like, my team's all there and the drill is stopped and I'm walking to the sideline, just leaning against the wall and I'm looking at my thumb freaking out because it's not working it's out of place and the student therapist she isn't being super helpful well because one she's not allowed to pull it out she didn't know what to do so she's trying to call like the head therapist and i'm sitting there and i'm like someone tell me what to do please and i just look up and i see kern and he's just like just pull it man so i look at him i'm like oh okay so i just grit my teeth grabbed it and yanked it back into place and it was the most like instantly like it, it felt so good immediately after, but just like the process of hearing everyone around me like someone's got to get that thumb back in, and like all the adrenaline, and then just like calm as soon as I pull it back in. But then the guys were selling it and everything, so that's probably one of my one year fondest memories of like the second year or like throughout my career. Oh man, that's that's so gnarly, and I, I imagine Kern's done that enough times that he knew what the solution was. But man, yeah. I'd be like Benjo too. I'd be freaking out. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It was, and it's just as like this young kid. Like I've had injuries before, but never seen my thumb like at the bottom of my hand, and then <laughs> just seeing like the fifth year on the team, just like pull that sucker back in. I'm like, yeah, and just like grabbed it and yanked it. <laughs> oh man that's awesome thanks for sharing that one i think our, our listeners i'm squirming a little bit hopefully they are too and got a good laugh out of that one <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a little squirmy well sweet man it, it's great to hear about your career obviously like you, you've been a big name in the volleyball community and your family has as well so it was good to hear your process and stories and everything that went into it and obviously a really easy guy to root for so best of luck with everything you've got going on with volleyball canada this summer and Hopefully, you know, we get a full U-Sports season next year and we can support you with Trinity and everything else you've got going on. So thanks again for coming on, Brody. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh. Great opportunity. And I, I loved being, you know, being on your show. And I'll keep, be sure to keep tuning in and listen in for the next guys you have coming forward. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot.